book of Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 22. Paul is writing. He says that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. And this evening for a little while I simply want to continue in the theme of the last few weeks and speak about an essential ingredient in the making of a disciple, an essential ingredient. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you for standing in worship for the reading of the word. Thank you for joining us online. So over the last three weeks, Pastor Johns has taught in a series called The Making of a Disciple. And we absolutely believe in the power of a moment, the life-changing power of a prayer of repentance, that moment of being baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and that moment when you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the very first time with the evidence of speaking in a language you have never learned, that is the power of a moment. But ultimately, Jesus made clear that we must walk with him Day by day, in Luke 9 and 23, Jesus said to the crowd, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. Consequently, becoming a disciple is a lifelong process of spiritual development leading towards Christ's likeness. That is the goal of a disciple, Christ's likeness. Paul described it this way to the Ephesians in chapter 4, verse 13. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now I realize that the mere mention of the word process makes some of you break out in cold sweat. I eat my wife and some of you. The idea that there is a process over a spectrum of time is just like frustrating to you. And in fact, all of us are influenced by the snap, pop, crackle desire of our culture for instant gratification. Even if you are the most patient laid back among us, even you are influenced by a desire for the immediate here and now. But as Brother John's articulated in his devotion on Monday, spiritual maturity takes time and it requires effort. In other words, the development of a Christ-like character and behavior, it is a lifelong process of time and effort. And if you've lived for God for more than 10 minutes, you can say, Amen. So what does this process look like of becoming Christ-like? How does this process practically play out in our lives? Thankfully, the New Testament abounds with passages that speak to and unfold and describe uh, the process of discipleship as illustrated uh, in Paul's writing to the Romans in what is often a well-known passage, Romans 12 and 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, 
that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. But for me personally, I think that Paul's instructions to the Ephesian Corinthians maybe best captures the process of becoming Christ-like, the process of being made a disciple. And we read it in our text this evening, chapter 4 and verse 22 of Ephesians, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So spiritual maturity, as measured by Christ's likeness, is this process of putting off the old, being renewed in the spirit, and putting on the new. That best sums up what it is to become Christ-like and to please God and to become a spiritually mature believer. It is that lifelong dedication to day by day, I am putting off, I am being renewed in the spirit, and I am putting on. I am seeking and striving to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. So what does it really mean to put off? What does that mean? To put off this old carnal nature. Time does not allow me to fully address the biblical's answer to that question or you would uh, leave and I would be alone. And then I would just pass out from exhaustion. The Bible is that full of answering that question. But let's look at some of the practical teaching that Paul provides to these Ephesian Corinthians. And uh, as I go through these passages, I would encourage you to have your Bible open or your app open. Maybe you want to write them down to read later. Ephesians 4 and 25, Paul is talking about putting off. He is unfolding this process that we put off the old man, that we are renewed in our mind by the power of the Holy Spirit, and that we put on the new man. So in 4 and 25, Paul says, stop telling lies. Clear enough? In 26, he says, don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. In other words, don't live with unresolved anger. In verse 28, he says, if you're a thief, quit stealing. That's a good rule of thumb of putting off, right? So putting off is stop telling lies. Quit living with unresolved anger. Quit stealing. Verse 29, do not use foul or abusive language. This is part of putting off the old. Verse 31, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Put it off. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 3, let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, coarse jokes, these 
are not for you. What is Paul talking about? He's talking about becoming a disciple, the process of becoming Christ-like. It involves putting off. What does that mean? Paul's explaining what it means to put off the old carnal nature. And in our world, you got to put off some of that, right? Bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, put it off. Quit typing it. Quit liking it. Quit watching it. Put it off. Mm-hmm. No, I, I won't go down that rabbit trail, but we'll stop right there. Paul provides a succinct list of this carnal works of the flesh that we are to put off, and he kind of presses it all together in a really nice bullet point list to the Galatians, and we find that in Galatians 5 and 19. These are the things we're putting off. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness or lustful pleasure, idolatry, sorcery, hatred or hostility, contentions or quarreling, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies or divisions, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries or wild parties, and the like. If it smells like it, looks like it, is kindred to it, whether it's explicit in the word of God, Paul says, and the like, right? Of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's a motivation for putting off. Can you say that to your neighbor? We're putting off. Thank you for half of you. Then Paul leaves no room for negotiation. This is what he says in Galatians 5 and 24. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So Paul is clear that if you are Christ, then putting off will mark your life. It's a process It's a lifelong process, but it is a process we must be committed to, putting off the old carnal nature. If I'm going to please God, if I'm going to become Christ-like, if I'm going to inherit that eternal place that God has prepared for us, then I have to put off the actions and the attitudes and the appearances of this old carnal nature. It is a part of the process. But it is not the end of the story. We do not just put off so we can be different. It's not about just being different. There's all kind of philosophies and beliefs that are just different. You see them all over our city. The whole purpose of putting off our old carnal nature is for the express purpose that we now put on the new nature through Jesus Christ. Amen? So if you're frustrated that you're having to put off, you need to remind yourself of the purpose of putting off is not just to make your life miserable, which is rescuing you from misery, 
It is for the sole purpose so that you can now put on, put on the Lord Jesus Christ, right? That begins at baptism, repentance, baptism, being filled with the Spirit. So what does it mean to put on a new nature in Christ Jesus? Again, the Bible is filled with passages that speak to this, but let's for this evening look again at Ephesians. Paul's now talking about in this same letter to the Ephesian Corinthians, he's working through what it means to become a Christ follower, putting off, being renewed in the spirit, and putting on. We've talked about putting off. Now Paul's going to talk about what it means to put on. In chapter 4, verse 1, Paul says, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love, forbearing one another. Verse 3, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. What does it look like when we start putting on Christ? Well, we're going to, we're going to have, be marked by humility. We're going to be marked by gentleness. We're going to be marked by patience. We're going to be marked by making allowance for others' faults and struggles out of love. We're going to be marked by unity. Amen? Now, I'm just going to stop here and say this, not in my notes. Thank God that we do not have to be perfect. None of us are perfect. We are striving for perfection. Because when I read those verses, and I've read these verses quite a bit this week, when I read that verse right now, I start feeling really, really small. And I start thinking about, man, humble and um, mm, forbearance, right? But we're striving for perfection. We're in this lifelong process. It's not a big bang. Bam, it's all gone. Boom, it's all here. Woo, let's go to heaven. No, I'm, all, I'm always daily putting off. And now I'm always now putting on, putting on, putting on, working it out. Ephesians 4 and 25, Paul says, let us tell our neighbor, neighbors the truth because we're part of one body. So let's tell each other the truth. And then he talks about the opposite of, you know, not sinning by letting anger control you. As Paul says, not only don't be angry, but resolve it. When you get angry, deal with it, resolve it. And he puts a time frame on it to help us understand the, the, the motivation. Verse 28, Paul says, instead of stealing, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. When you put off the old and you start putting on the new, you start taking responsibility for yourself. You start realizing that I am a child of God. I am called with purpose. I have a mission in life, and that mission is not to sit and waste away and ask someone else to take care of my business. The Word of God has a little bit to say to culture these days. Paul says, when you put on Christ, 
You're gonna put your hands to a good work as unto the Lord and as God blesses you, you don't hoard it. You are generous to others who are genuinely in need. Chapter four, verse 32. Paul says, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. That's putting on. When I'm putting on the nature of the Lord Jesus Christ, my life's gonna be marked by kindness. My life's gonna be marked by being tenderhearted. And my life's gonna be marked is that when you do me wrong, I will forgive you as Christ has forgiven me. In Ephesians 5 and 1, Paul says, imitate God in everything you do because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. So when I'm putting on, I'm putting on love. I'm putting on Christ-like love. I'm putting on the love of 1 Corinthians 13, right? And then here, Paul continues in Ephesians 5 and 21. What does it mean to put on? Paul says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Mutual submission. Paul then explains what does that mean. He talks about mutual submission and service in marriages. He talks about parental and child relationships. The children should be obedient to the parents. The parents should not be antagonizing the children. He talks about the mutual submission of the employee to the employer and the employer serving the employee. That should mark the life of someone who is putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. And then Paul again more concisely lists all of this in his letter to the Galatians when he provides that overarching governing attribute of what it means to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Galatians 5 and 22, Paul said, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. I'm putting off, but I am putting off for the express purpose that I want to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. What does that look like? It looks like love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's what it looks like. So if I'm going to please God, if I'm going to become Christ-like, if I'm going to inherit the eternal place that he's prepared for us, it's not just about what I put off. It is about what I put on. I must put on the attitudes and the actions and the appearance of the new, cre- new nature that I have through the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And yet, and yet, an honest assessment of how that process plays out in my life reveals my utter dependence on the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I know all of you have it figured out. You're bored, ready to go home because this is like what you did in first grade and you're a graduate student at MIT now spiritually, right? I understand that. But for me, when I look in the mirror, when I'm left up to my own abilities and power, I end up justifying the works of the flesh and I end up resisting the works of the Spirit. 
with all the best intentions in the world, and Paul talks about this in his letter to the Romans. I can wake up and I'm going to turn the world upside down for the Lord Jesus Christ and I can't even make it through three red lights. Amen? No, I, I know you guys, you just, you know, victory in Jesus all day. Amen? And so being renewed in the spirit being renewed in the inner person, being renewed in the mind, as Paul says, is the essential ingredient in this process of spiritual maturity. Don't forget it. I come this evening to remind us of this essential ingredient that when we're struggling putting off or we're struggling putting on, it may be that we are neglecting what is central to the process, and that is being renewed in the Spirit. It is walking in the Spirit because without the power of the Spirit, I am not good at putting off, and I certainly cannot put on the Lord Jesus Christ. This past Sunday, Holly and I and Olivia actually were sitting on our back porch. It was a great, beautiful day, was it not? Our backyard is relatively private, long, shotgun. And then suddenly that quietness is interrupted rudely by a neighbor who started hollering through the evergreens that are between my yard and her yard for me to keep my dog off her property. That happened this Sunday. That he was supposed to be leashed at all times. She, she, she's going to call animal control. Now, I've never met this neighbor in four and a half years and couldn't pull her out of a lineup if she stood right there tonight because she never showed her full face. Secondly, my dog was not in her yard. He was in my yard. And even when she opened her big fat mouth, <laughs> my dog stopped long before the property line while she screamed at him. Thirdly, this lady has a privacy fence around her little blessed patio and her little puny, half of her puny yard. I can tell you in that moment on this Sunday, I was not in the spirit. And I was not singing joy unspeakable and full of glory. What I wanted to do, not you, what I wanted to do was unleash the full fury of my disdain and anger over her absurdity and pettiness. Yet, as my wife did remind her she had a fence, somehow I held my tongue, stunned, and she stomped back into her fence and to her house. In that, I, I honestly kind of felt sorry for her. I still don't know. I think maybe she was drunk 
Or maybe she's bitter over some deep hurt in her life and it exploded on a Sunday afternoon after four and a half years, you know, on a blessed day. I don't know. But then, while we were sitting there kind of just like, that just happened. In our backyard, on our back porch, on a beautiful Sunday afternoon, that crazy old lady came back out. And I could see her through the evergreens holding up her phone, telling us that our dog had to be leashed at all times and she was going to call animal control and we were going to get a fine and she was going to do it Monday morning. Needless to say, Bible study and prayer meetings was not going through my mind. But somehow, somehow, before I could unleash a scorched earth barrage of wrath at that woman, there was this little check. It's like, that is not fair, God. That is not fair. But it was there. And I just laughed and smiled. And I'm like, I don't know. And so I just said, have a nice evening. And she stomped off. And, of course, that promptly unlocked a course of curated cursing. And uh, she made her way home. And we haven't seen her since, and it might be another four and a half years. Now, thankfully, I'd been in the spirit that morning in the Lord's house on the Lord's day. Because I know me. I know how often I pounded the steering wheel, slapped the table, I know my temper. And I know that on my best day, when I am bursting with good intentions to be Christ-like, I know that I fail and will always fail miserably without the enabling of the Holy Spirit working in me and through me. Amen? That's why Paul doesn't just pound his fist on the pulpit and tell you what you should not do and what you should put off. He doesn't just pound his fist on the pulpit and tell you what you should do and what you should put on. But he also takes time to masterfully weave in and out of his teaching the, our utter dependence on the power of the Spirit. That you and I need the Spirit that the essential ingredient in becoming a spiritually mature believer is I have to be renewed in the spirit because crazy drivers and crazy neighbors and crazy kids and crazy spouses and crazy jobs and crazy culture can drive you nuts and cause you to want to explode in all of your old carnal nature. And there is only one thing that's going to keep you Christ-like, and that is the power of the Holy Spirit that is in you and working through you. We put off, but don't forget, you won't ever put off and you'll never put on until you learn that every day I must be renewed by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
This is what Paul told the Ephesians. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. In 5 and 18, Paul says, don't be drunk with wine. That'll ruin your life, amen. But Paul says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Again, Paul is more precise to the Galatians. He says, walk in the Spirit in Galatians 5 and 16, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. So these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. 5 and 25, Paul says, If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. To the Roman Christians, Paul is equally clear. When Romans 8 and 6, he said, To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead to sin because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. In verse 12, he said, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. The essential ingredient is that if I want to please God, if I want to be conformed into his image, I do, and if I want to put off the works of the flesh, if I want to put on the works of the Spirit, then the essential ingredient and the only way it is possible is I must walk in the Spirit. I must be renewed in my mind, in my inner being, by the power of the Spirit. Amen. Amen. If you're able, please stand. Ladies and gentlemen, here and online, it is impossible to accidentally become Christ-like. You will not accidentally stumble into heaven. You will not haphazardly, accidentally, this is just a great coincidence, I am Christ-like. It will not happen. Spiritual Maturity doesn't happen in a moment. It doesn't happen in a day. It is a lifelong process of spiritual development leading towards Christ's likeness. What is it? Every single day I am putting off. I am being renewed by the power of the Spirit and I am putting on. I am putting off. I am being renewed by the power of the Spirit and I am putting on the Lord Jesus Christ and that can never change until I step from time into eternity and cast my crown at his feet. 
step by step and day by day over and over and over and over. So whether you've just been born again of water and spirit and you know nothing and look like, look like not much has changed, what matters is today where you're at that your face is towards Jesus Christ and your back is towards sin and you're putting off the things of old and you're putting on the things of new and you're being renewed by the power of the Spirit. And when you're doing that, wherever you are in the spectrum of maturity, you are pleasing to God. Amen? Amen. 